Welcome to the Quest Express, your passport to immersive travel experiences and cozy conversations. For curious explorers who understand the art of slow travel, we're your go-to podcast. Every few weeks, we touch the heartbeat of a new city where we chat with artists, innovators, historians, and entrepreneurs who make each city come alive. The Quest Express is not just a podcast, it's your ultimate slow travel companion. It's an invitation to begin your own quest. Let's continue our conversation with Michael Bill, ghost hunter and paranormal investigator in New Orleans. Today we learn how critical thinking is an important part of ghost hunting, and we'll also learn the most haunted hotel in New Orleans. Enjoy today's episode. Uh, so, and then it just it, it just went into like, oh, well, they're hurting me. And they weren't hurting you. They were just keeping a record. <laughs> so they knew what part of the body they were working on. You know, I mean, it's like no one could read or write back then. Wow. So that's, and it wasn't like a poppet, you know, like a poppet, like a little doll, like a, yeah. Uh, they're like made out of cloth. Normally it was like a carving or something like that. And that's the way they did it. Hmm. That's the way they did it. And that's, that's the way the video doll works now. Now, nowadays, there's spirit dolls, and spirit dolls are dolls that are constructed spirits. Someone will make a doll, and they'll construct a spirit or have a tupola, if you will, in that doll, the spirit of that doll, and they'll feed that doll, and they'll give it, you know, whatever their favorite food is or whatever, that or like coffee or rum or cigarettes, and it just feeds that spirit. It's a constructed spirit. It's not really a a real spirit hmm. they'll carry it with them and you know it's weird because you'll see grown women carrying these big huge you know dolls <laughs> and that's their spirit doll so there are certain things and then there are haunted objects like haunted dolls you know so um vessels for spirits yeah you know it's like that's where all the doll things come from Obviously, you became saturated by the culture, and as a product of your environment, you were immersed in it. And so, when did you first start researching in a professional way ghost hauntings and giving tours? And when did you decide this is my thing? You know, I went to school at UNO. The liberal arts degree I had, you can't do very much with a liberal arts degree unless you're going to teach, and there's no way that was going to happen. So, I was waiting tables and bartending, and I just had really had enough of it. I heard this tour guy giving a tour when I was walking home. And I was like, that's street theater. I can do that because I have a degree in theater. I was like, so I went and took a class out of Delgado. That's one of the colleges here because I didn't know anything about Louisiana history. You know, I mean, I didn't know anything. So I took the class. I passed the test. They vet you fingerprints through the FBI database. Mm -hmm. And then I got my tour guide license, and I started doing that. And at first, I thought I was going to do history tours. Mm -hmm. But then I got caught up in this ghost tour stuff. And they were easier and they were a lot, much more fun. Because I was working for a company and the owner had was a paranormal investigator. And he was like, hey, Michael Bill, you want to be a paranormal investigator or a ghost? And I didn't really realize. I didn't know what he was talking about. And I was like, does it pay more? And he was like, yeah. I was like, well, hell, sign me up. <laughs> and that's how I accidentally stepped into the paranormal world. I was already telling ghost stories, but I found out that some of the stories I was telling were highly inaccurate. You know, I mean, they were not historically based. Wow. And if ghosts are real, spirits are real, then they had to have a real history. So then I started digging. Yeah. And being going, okay, that's not real. That's or That didn't happen at that mm -hmm. time. 
it's weird because when you get into stuff like that, it makes ghosts more real if they have a history, a real history, and you get documents to back it up with. Absolutely. You know, the Williams Center down here is, is our archives, and anyone can go in there and you can look for anything, and they're very helpful. And that's how I got a lot of the stuff, was I went to the Williams Center. I need this, this, and this, and they may help me find these documents. Start to find things out. And the Williams Center, the Williams Research Center, that's part of the historical, what is it, HNOC? Uh-huh, yeah, um, the Historic Collection, the New Orleans Historic Collection. That's their museum. They have like Jordan Noble's drum that's like from the Battle of Chalmette. Jordan Noble's suggestion would be like, hold on. He, goes, brr, brr. he was just a little kid. The heck, she had that drum. Wow. I mean, that thing's been 1815. <laughs> and that man was in four American wars and lived to be 98 years old. He was an enslaved person. <laughs> and he was, oh my gosh. The history here is so amazing. I actually got to see it. You know, it's like right there. And just the things that the Williams Center has collected. They have the transom from Mahogany Hall, which is one of the brothels here. The only, one of the only, uh, uh, those of African descent, a brothel. Lulu White, the queen of the octoroons, was the a madam there. I mean, they had the transom. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the 1800s. I get really excited about stuff like that, seeing. Yeah. Because that's history right there. It's a physical part of history. Right. And to see something like that is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. What do you think are, obviously, New Orleans is very active. It's a very active city with regard to paranormal activity. And I've I've also heard that, now tell me if this is true or not. I've heard that ghosts and spirits are more active around water. Is that true? Well, I've heard several different things. They can't cross water. But water, think about this. Water is a great conductive energy. If if you get in the shower with your hair dryer, you're going to get fried, right? Yeah. So maybe that's the reason why, because people believe that, because they are energy and we believe that they are energy. And maybe that being off the river, you know, because the river is going by really quick in front of us. I mean, we're pretty much surrounded by water. The, The river's on one end and the lake is on the other. So we're pretty much the sunken city. We're right surrounded by water. And that could be definitely a reason why it stays so haunted. I've also heard people that say that spirits can't cross river or water, running water. Mm. And so maybe Mm -hmm. that's why they stay here in the city is because they can't cross over the river. I don't know if that's true. I kind of think maybe not. (laughs) That's a theory that people have had for long periods of time or superstition. Yeah. Paranormal investigation, we deal in kind of try to deal in as much fact or as much something we can tangible you can measure rather than superstition. Yeah. When I when I spoke to you earlier, the first thing I thought was this guy is a scientist who also happens to be a paranormal investigator. I didn't you were very like measured and not prone to sensationalism. I just found a like a very scientific logical method as your approach to to ghost hunting, which was pretty cool. So what are some of your most memorable experiences giving tours? So there's a place here. Um, it's right across the street from me, actually. Uh, 1022 Royal Street, uh, Starling Magical. Uh, the, we just call it the Magic Shop. It's the home of the voodoo priestess Claudia Williams. Their dependencies is where we did for, I mean, I guess it was five or six years, ghost hunts. And I didn't know anything about the parent. I didn't know anything. And these devices, I was like, what the hell does this mean? So I had to learn. We had to teach ourselves, me and my friend Elaine Allen. She was my partner. And 
Elaine is very, I learned a lot of the scientific stuff from her because, I mean, things would happen to be like, I'd freak out, you know, like, oh my God, look at that. It's like, Michael Bill, that's your shadow. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. So yeah. I kind of learned to be more scientific and more critical. It's critical thinking, really, because if something happens that you think is paranormal, you need to test and see if it is or not. It could be just something on you, you know, like. Right. You could feel something, but how do you test? You use something called a what? Well, like K2 meters are a good way to measure uh, EMF or electromagnetic fields. But if you have your cell phone on you, it's going to go off. Okay. That's not a ghost. It's your cell phone. That's why you can't use them in public because it's not tested. The sort of K2 meter is if you have your phone on you, it'll make it go off. If you get near a speaker, I've seen ghost hunters have speakers on like the table and they're using a spirit box, like an app, they'll use it and they'll have the K2 meters too close to it and it'll look like it's spirits, but it's not. It's the speakers, it's the magnets and the speakers that are causing the K2 meters to go off. So you have to be really, make sure you don't have anything EMF on you and like we'll sweep through a, a place and see where the electromagnetic fields are and then we'll mark them. So we know, okay, don't go over there with the K2 because that's going to make it go off. So that's part of the critical thinking. That's part of saying, okay, there's certain core concepts of paranormal investigation. We try to follow those at all times. I get hysterical sometimes because I think something is paranormal, but it's not. And we just, that's why we record everything, not just to collect evidence, but also to go back and, and make sure that what we heard was what we heard. So for the layman, for the layperson who is seeing lights flicker or like, for example, here's something that happens to me. Now you can tell me whether this is paranormal activity or not. It could be just a glitch on my phone, but sometimes a song will come on out of nowhere. I don't even have the iTunes app open or the music thing open. And all of a sudden a song will come on. How do we know that something is paranormal? Like what are some common par paranormal activities? Flickering lights can be paranormal. You need, I had the light, the lamps here sometimes that will just start to pulse and flicker on their own. So I had an electrician come in and check it and check the, and check the lamps and check the bulbs. You want to try everything possible to debunk it. Yeah. If that's you, can you stop it? Now, if it stops almost immediately, I'll say, can you turn it back on? You know, you want to test it to see if it's acting intelligent. Remember, we're looking for intelligent responses. Talk to the energy. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's, a, it's, you know, all we're doing is communicating with them. That's what paranormal investigation is all about. We're just trying to communicate with them. And if it starts to act intelligently, mm -hmm. okay. you know, maybe you want to record every little bit and then you want to have other people come in and not tell them about it and see if it happens to them. Because ah. if it happens to them, then just, you know, like when I do EVP sessions or spirit box sessions and I'm like, I think I got something. I'll, I won't tell them what it is, but I'll send it to other paranormal investigators and tell me what you hear. And if they hear the same thing I, I hear, maybe, I'm just saying maybe, that's paranormal. Now, when stuff starts to move about the house, when you not put your keys here and things start to move about the house or the doll starts to rock in its chair on its own, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's paranormal. No, let's, well, yeah, let's talk about that because I... I don't necessarily have a fear of ghosts or, or trapped energies, but there is a difference between hauntings and poltergeists, right? And it sounds like 
how do we know, like, it sounds like what you were talking about was poltergeist where things are like moving or even slamming. Like what, what is the difference? Well, a poltergeist is a German word for is poltergeist. And it really and truly kind of has a different, a poltergeist is actually some, a person, a living person. For example, this little kid wants to get in the pool and his parents say, no, you can't get in the pool without us being there. Then all of a sudden he gets really angry. He's pissed off about it and he broods over it. And all of a sudden they start to see orbs coming out of the pool. It's the psychic energy of the children or the person that causes the poltergeist activity. Now this moving things moving about the house is very rare that something like that happens. Now, I, I, I mean, sometimes I always put my keys by the door always, but then I started finding them in different places. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't pick them up and move them and just don't remember. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when the damn doll and the chair starts to rock on its own, <laughs> that is, that's some heavy duty paranormal activity. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And you just have to test it to make sure that that's what's going on. That you're, it's not you, that it's something out out of the world. So poltergeist really just means it's a person, a noisy ghost is what it means. And it's not really a ghost. It's a person. People have just, people have just associated that with um, poltergeist with spirits, but it's not real spirits. It's the person. Mostly it it happens around young females, you know, when they're uh, starting their cycle, you know, the very first, because their Hmm. energy is so strong at that point. So that's the theory anyway. I think I've only seen one or two things. I haven't seen everything move, like watch it move. There was one time we were at this session and it was a seance. A table did move, you know, and I was like, that's the first time I've ever seen anything like actually physically move. We were all standing there and just kind of moved in front of me. So it was weird. Maybe like eight inches, but it, it did shake and move. So it's just a lot of energy for a spirit to do something like that. Yeah. So there's two types of, correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding of it is there's kind of two types of energy visitations. There's the kind that are already at a place, you know, trapped or like at haunted places. Maybe they're there for whatever reason. And then there's the kind of energies that you call, the spirits that you call in, right? So I'll give you an example of this. When I was little, my brother and I decided we would light a candle, hold hands and try to call a spirit in. We didn't really know what we were doing. We were probably, I don't know, 10 and 7 or something. But I saw probably saw something on TV about holding a seance. And I said, hey, let's. So we were by ourselves in our basement. Right. All of a sudden, we're holding hands. It was scary. <laughs> it, it, it is scary. So it was this big candle. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the light in the candle, you know, there's a wicker all the way down, right? It uh-huh. snapped. And then it spiraled. And it went, psh, it made all this noise. It went, psh and it went all the way down and then it went out and we looked at each other and we ran up the stairs <laughs> <laughs> we're like what i mean that's that's oh that's totally strange okay then us you know me i would be like asking questions like oh can you do that again you know can you uh can you make anything else can you make a knock happen you know not once for yes twice for no evidently whatever spirit was there it could be a spirit that was already there it's just being ignored. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't making any kind of, uh, making themselves known. First of all, 
I'm going to be down in the basement. I'm going to freak out because I used to be afraid of the dark when I was a kid. And now I work in the dark. So that is wild because that would be like, that take a lot of energy for some, to get something to say, hey, look, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, that's just weird. I mean, did y'all run upstairs or did y'all, <laughs> were y'all calm about it or just like? Oh, my God. We were terrified. <laughs> we were we were not hanging around. We were terrified. I mean, two little kids. Um, and we didn't know we were that powerful either to call a spirit in. I want to ask if someone's coming, if they want to meet you and they would, they want to go on one of your tours, what website do they go to? It is Premier X. Premier X Tours, T-O-U-R-S, PremierXTours.com. Uh, they can go through there. Okay, great. Yeah, they can uh, book a tour. Uh, they can just send us an email and say, hey, look, we want to talk to Michael Bill. <laughs> cool. I get them all. So they can do that. Since I've been giving tours and doing ghost hunts, I've met some really wonderful people. And I'm still friends with them. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. years and years have gone by, but we're still friends. My friend Tina Lynn and her husband came for Halloween. And they stayed at the Andrew oh, Jackson, wow. one of the most haunted hotels in the entire city. It's only in Stones. And they're just wonderful people. And I think that people, especially people that do ghost hunting, they have a respect for spirits. Mm-hmm, absolutely. They have a respect for the dead. My grandmother, when I was a kid, we, every Sunday after mass, we would go out to the cemetery. And I don't know, I was being a little jerk or something. She goes, Charlie, they used to call me Charlie, said, never talk ill of the dead. You know, respect the dead. The holy souls, right? Mm-hmm. So my grandma was a very scary woman. It scared the hell out of me. We were out in this huge cemetery. You know, I meet these people, and it's just so wonderful because I can get to share the culture here with them, and not just the ghosts. Yeah. You know, but the ghosts are part of the culture. They're the leftovers in you know, the past. Sometimes they're not these 17 and 1800s type of ghosts. Sometimes it's modern-day ghosts, ghosts people that have passed just within the last 20 years. There's a place, 828 North Rampart Street, a haunted museum, Bloody Mary's Haunted Museum. For six years, that's where I did a ghost hunt in the apartment upstairs. Now, these are modern-day ghosts. These aren't whirling around in the Victorian garb. <laughs> An incident happened there. It was a murder, a terrible thing, and left a bad impression. But those spirits are there. I mean, the first night I did the ghost hunt there, it was just crazy. So I knew that those two spirits were there because they were saying their names. And my name. Wow. And the names of the guests over a spirit box. I mean, we had the evidence. It's like, what do you hear? It's like, I hear that. I hear exactly what you hear. It was amazing. I mean, that's the first night I was there. There are modern day spirits as well. And I believe spirits bind themselves to the earth. For some odd reason, they don't want to cross over. The theory is, is that there's our plane of existence another plane of existence, and there's got to be something else because when they cross over into the light, when we do a crossing over ceremony, we never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they're in a purgatorial state right now if we're communicating with them. When they hit that light, they're just gone. They're just, they just leave. So the first day of Mardi Gras kicks off next Tuesday, January 9th. If you plan to be in the New Orleans area during the next month or so, you can reach out to Michael at premierxtours.com and the link is below. See you on Saturday.